Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hager Park. Welcome to Sunrise in Hager Park this morning. It's a beautiful morning. I know it's going to be a hot one today, but we got a beautiful, cool, shaded morning for us this morning. Um, my name is Dan, the worship director here at Sunrise, and we're excited to worship and sing with you this morning under the trees. Hear these words from the Bible, the Psalms, and right in the middle of the Bible, um, the Psalms are a wonderful songbook that have been used for centuries that um, just is a great way to start the service today. So here's some words from Psalm 96. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant, let everything in them, let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. And let's stand together and let's all sing for joy and worship God this morning together. Let's sing. There's no power like the power of Jesus. 
trees under the sunshine with the noise of nature in the distance even the rocks cry out to you the trees sing your praises the oceans roar your greatness God we're so grateful to be called your people to worship you out here and God thank you for the promises that we just sang earlier that there's nothing that you can't do, God. You are a God that is faithful, that goes before us and fights our battles for us. So no matter what we're facing this morning, maybe trials or maybe a day or a week full of joy ahead of us, God, we thank you and we praise you for loving us, for holding us in your hand, for guiding us, making away our path straight. You are good. You are loving. You are kind. Your name we pray. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Well, as you're settling in and getting relaxed into your camping chairs out there, I got a couple of announcements for you. Well, first of all, welcome to all of you here and welcome to you guys worshiping with us online today. Thank you for joining us. Um, if you are joining us online, you probably saw a bunch of comments happening, but Corey is being your online host this morning, so interact with him. Um, there's that connection card that's about to pop up, so you can click on that if you're here for the first time with us in the comments. Um, you can click on that. They'll bring you to our website where you can fill out a little form, and we'd love to connect with you and answer any questions you may have and help you feel welcome and connected. So a couple announcements. Um, this week coming up, Sunrise Students, the youth group, 
ages, uh, well, grades 6 through 12, and those going into 6th grade this year. We've got a super fun event for you guys planned, Water Wars, this Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8.30 at the church. So come on, be prepared to get a little wet, I think. What action happening? So also, that's Wednesday. On Friday, for the um, younger kiddos, we have a playground play date scheduled. Um, Laura Manchin is the contact for that. Um, she would love to hang out with you and your kiddos. Parents, come on out to Hudsonville Christian Elementary this Friday from 9.30 to 11. Um, just a great way to connect kids with other kids and parents with, parents with other parents just to have some fun fellowship time together. That is all the announcements from me. Dan, on to you. Guys, good morning. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, whether you're here for the first time or you've been here for a while, we're glad that you're here. It's fun to be outside, to see some of you who haven't yet been able to join us inside yet is a real treat for us. Some of you who have been meeting with us inside, we hoped wouldn't come today. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but it's good to see all of you guys. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So over the last several weeks, we have been looking at the book of Acts. Uh, we've been looking at this book because we, like they, those apostles at that time, who were walking into a new reality without Jesus bodily present with them, we're walking into a new phase of life too. After the pandemic, trying to figure out what the world looks like, how do we reorient our lives and our minds around this idea that Jesus is the one who brings God's kingdom? How do we follow him well? So in the book of Acts, we have a little bit of tension. We've got some pictures of what happened in that early church that are simply descriptive. They just tell us, here's what happened. But we also have in Acts pictures of what occurred then that become prescriptive for us today. So for instance, in the book of Acts, we find that Paul got his hair cut. I can't remember the exact city, but that is simply descriptive. The prescription for us is not to get our haircuts in that same place. Now, we know that to be true when it comes to things like that, but there are other things in the book of Acts that, if we see them rightly, become very helpful for us today. One of those stories is in Acts chapter 10. Um, I'm going to very briefly, try to very briefly, summarize that entire chapter and then really kind of dig into chapter 11. Let me pray for us real quick as we set sail on this. God, uh, we're thankful for just the sounds that are out here in your creation and to be singing songs that have instruments, of course, and then the voices of your people. Uh, we know that the rocks, the trees, the whole earth is groaning for the world to be made right again. And so to be out in this creation uh, gives us new eyes, and so we thank you for that. As we look at this story in the book of Acts, would you help us to get from it what we need to uh, so that we can live well for you in Christ's name? Amen. So in Acts chapter 10, we meet this guy named Cornelius, okay? We're going to call him Neil, all right? Just because it's easier for you kids. Kids, what's the guy's name? Neil. Neil, yes. Well done. Okay, so Neil is a pretty nice guy. He works for the military. He is a Greek person. That means he's somebody who doesn't look like the people who are following Jesus. He doesn't speak the exact same language that they do. Uh, and he is involved in the Roman government. So all of these things are things that would discourage the people of 
Jesus, the people who have been following the way, from getting close to, what's his name, kids? Neil. Neil. I heard some adult voices in there, too. I like that. Young at heart. So Neil is this guy. He's known for being generous to the people around him. He's a nice guy. He helps them out. And he has this dream that he is supposed to meet this famous-ish person named Peter. Peter is a follower of Jesus. He's the guy who stood up at the beginning of Acts and told all kinds of people who didn't look like him and some who did who Jesus was. And so in this chapter of Acts chapter 10, we find Peter, this rock star of the early church, if you will, meeting Neil, this rock star of the Roman military. And they have dinner together. How many of you have gone to a restaurant that is not serving American food? And I'm not talking like Taco Bell. That's not, that doesn't count. I'm talking like an authentic Mediterranean cuisine or French or something like that. You guys, yeah, some of you, okay, good, great. Now, when you go there and you start to eat, uh, before you eat, you're looking at the menu, trying to figure out what it is you're going to order, trying to distinguish, if the words are not in English, what exactly it is that they're trying to get you to eat. Now, eating was a very, uh, at times, tense thing for followers of Jesus to do, because a lot of the people who followed Jesus, who came out of Judaism, like Peter, thought that it was wrong, it was not good to eat a certain kind of food, meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And so Peter comes to Neil's house with some friends, and there's a meal laid out in front of him. But Peter, unlike us, when we go into a restaurant with a menu that has strange words and we don't know exactly what we're going to eat, sees exactly what it is that he's supposed to eat, and it's the exact kind of food that he's not supposed to eat. There's another problem here that Peter is probably wrestling with in his mind. He's in a house surrounded by people who are not like him. People who would not have been welcomed in an environment like this where the people of Jesus got together to talk about the love and the grace and the mercy and the kingdom of Jesus because those people weren't quite good enough, Neil and his friends. And so Peter is internally wrestling with all of this. So kids, let's go back to you. You guys are not in school right now, right? And for that we, as kids say, yay. And as parents, we say, yay. <laughs> but when you're in school, you have probably a lunch table. I don't even know. Do you guys even have lunch tables still? Or are you just in your desks? Yes? Okay, well, wherever you are, whether it's lunchtime, recess, sports, theater, you kind of know who your people are, right? You go to a party, you see the people who you have something in common with, and you gravitate toward them, right? We all do that. That's completely normal. The problem is when we let how people look, or how they dress, or what they eat, or how they smell, or what they prefer or don't prefer, to determine if we're even going to get close enough to eat lunch with them, 
or to talk with them in an environment like this. So Peter, in this story, is doing something brave. He is walking into a home of someone who is known by people who don't follow Jesus that super great as a good military man. After this story is over, Peter has this meal at Cornelius' house. He tells Cornelius and all of his family about Jesus. We read that the people there with Cornelius at this meal believed what Peter said to be true. Now, to sum it all up, what Peter told them is, look, this Jesus who came, who died on the cross, who lived with us, who is resurrected again, he is the one who can make your life and our world right again. Now, if you're a military person, somebody who is pro-country, pro-whatever, pro-this, that might feel a little bit strange to have someone tell you it's not going to be your service, it's not going to be your bravery, it's not going to be your ability to make peace that brings peace to your soul, that helps you fall asleep well at night, or that's going to put the world back together again. After all of this happens, Peter goes back home. He packs up his chairs from the gathering, gets in his, I'm sure it was probably a Honda vehicle on his way home, gets together with his friends at another gathering, maybe like this, a bit of a reunion kind of thing. And he begins to tell his friends about this meal that he had at Neil's house. And you would think that all of these people who are good Jesus-loving people who follow a Jesus who said it is important to love people, to show grace, to touch those, to shake hands with those who no one else will touch or shake hands with, to bring together those who through any other means would not be brought together. You would have expected a huge party, but instead, as Peter is back with his family, his cozy group of people, He's got an answer to them for what he's done. Because the people who are in Peter's group, his squad, his circle, are not happy with him. He stepped out of their comfort zone. And so they want to know from Peter, Peter, why did you go hang out with, and in the words that those folks used, the people who were uncircumcised. That's there in chapter 11, verse 2. The circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of the uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now, kids, you can ask your parents about what circumcised means. We don't have time for that this morning. Basically, that was an easy way to tell who was Jewish and who was not. Peter was Jewish. His squad, his group of people who he would have been sitting with under trees like this and feeling very relaxed with, were Jewish people. But Jewish people were not comfortable with folks who were sitting on the other side of the park who were not Jewish. And they wouldn't go over there. So if one of us were to go over to the park like Peter did on the other side and talk with those folks about who Jesus is, According to this story, at least for the folks who were there with Peter, it would have been a high level of discomfort. 
So pause button. This is where, of course, we've got this tension that we see, I talked to you a little bit about before, in the book of Acts. We have this description of what happened. Peter went and saw these people. It's not our job to go and find a Cornelius and go have him invite us to a meal and talk with a Cornelius. But there is a bit of a prescription in here. And I think these words that are in Acts 10 and 11 that show up a few times reveal what that prescription is. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, Peter says to the group of people who he's having this dinner with, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. But he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. I now know, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. We all have favorites, right? My favorites are the Cubs, chocolate chip cookies. Kids, yell out one of your favorites, think of something, and then I'm gonna count to three, and then I want you to tell me one of your favorite things, okay? Kids, ready? One, two, three. I heard purple, and then I didn't hear anything else very well. But you all get it, we all have favorite things, right? Now, I don't want you to say this out loud, but I wanna include the adults in this too. Who are your favorite people? Your mom, good answer. Somebody give that kid ice cream after church. <laughs> of course, if we have favorites, that means we have things that are not our favorite too, right? Because the Cubs are my favorite, the Cardinals are not. I loathe the Cardinals, but I like their fans. <laughs> because I am a Michigan fan, they are my favorite. I'm not an Ohio State fan. Who, who invited you people? <laughs> you might have a favorite side of an aisle. You might have a favorite group of people with a certain amount of pigment. Your favorite people might be those who don't identify the same way that you and I do. And yet what we find Peter confessing, I think are words that need to be lodged not only into our hearts and minds, but into our lives as well. These words, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation. That word their nation means any group of people connected by a culture. God accepts from every culture the one who fears him and does what is right. When Peter is with his group of people, his Cubs fans, because they all agree about the Cubs, his people who agree with him that Jesus is the way forward, he has to convince them that Jesus is a person who doesn't just collect people who look like him, who think like him. Peter has to convince the people of God, perhaps under trees like this with squirrels running on the trees and the sounds of the insects around, 
that it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what group culture you connect yourself to. The same God who created all of these trees that give us shade and the sun behind it, the grass beneath our feet and the very way that your eyes look and the hair on your head put the exact same kind of thought and love into the folks who look nothing like us. Even into the folks who we would never want to welcome into a circle like this. So again, in Acts chapter 11 now, Peter says these words that I think help us see the prescription that's in this passage. When Peter says these words to his circle of people, if God gave them the same gift that he gave us, the same gift that he gave to us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Okay, now back to us. At some point, this, has to, this rubber has to meet the road for us in our lives, not right now, right? I mean, we can read anything that's font on a piece of paper that happened a long time ago and close that nice-looking cover and set it down and pick up the Reader's Digest or Sudoku or flip on, I don't know, whatever show you want. But this book, if it's going to be what it is that informs our lives, we have to ask the question, what should we do with this? And so back to those people in your mind who are your favorites. Why are they your favorites? The people in your life who are not your favorites, why are they not your favorites? For me, my favorites are Cubs fans because they think like I think. They're like me. The commonality is with me. I like people who like chocolate chip cookies because I always hope secretly inside that they will make me chocolate chip cookies. It's about me. It's easiest to have conversations about the last year, year and a half, with people who agree with me. It's easiest to have conversations about who Jesus is as long as those people agree with me. What this story, I think, shows us is that this Jesus who came and lived and died suspended on a tree vertically with his arms outstretched, reaches into the pockets of people who are Cubs fans, Cardinals fans, Baptist, non-denominational, left side of the aisle, right side of the aisle, straight, not straight. And the entire time is looking for people who will simply say, Jesus is the one who I will hang my life on. I believe that he is the one who's going to make my life in this world right again. So here's the question. What would it look like if we were people who instead of identifying our favorites by how much they agreed with us, were instead seeing everyone as one of God's favorites. 
how much would we be able to transform this world with God's love and grace if our movement toward people was not one of, hey, are you circumcised? Hey, do you agree with me on this? But what if instead the question we asked ourselves was, does this person need God's love and grace? I think that if we were to do that, we would be a people like Peter who could pursue what the Holy Spirit was calling him to do instead of just leaning back on what was comfortable with the folks who he was most comfortable with. And I think that's what this story has for us. May we be a people who sit across from dinner tables with people who don't look like us. May we welcome folks into circles like these who disagree with us. May we be willing to walk across the park, the street, the neighborhood, the office, to talk to someone who isn't like us. Because our commonality is not how much people agree with us, but the fact that God has created all of us and loves us. So let's share that story, the story of a Jesus who is making the world right again through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And I'm going to stop trying to push people to be Cubs fans. <laughs> God, we come to you this morning as people who um, we recognize have done absolutely nothing to be your favorites. <laughs> I want to think that uh, you love me. Sometimes I want to think that you love me because I do certain things in the way that I think they should be done. And then there are times when I'm really grateful that you don't see me that way because I just can't do enough to be your favorite. But if I'm really, really honest, I think I can recognize that you love me first. That you left your place of comfort with heaven to come and to see me, to see us, people who are not like you, people who didn't agree with you. You are not our favorite. <laughs> and yet from the very beginning, we have been your favorites. And you have loved us. You've given your son for us. And you have created a space for us where we can follow you together. So God, would you use us as a faithful expression of that in the lives of the people around us to show that they don't have to do anything to be your favorite except to simply believe that you're the one who gave your son to make all of us whole, to make all of us right, to make all of us the way that we should be. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray for the folks in our church and who are watching, who are listening in our community. We pray for the marriages right now that need encouragement. We pray for the students who are nervously thinking about what the next school year will look like, for the teachers who are putting together those plans for what the school year will look like, for the parents who stay at home with kids who are feeling tired and exhausted, for the adults, for the kids who are feeling like they just want to be seen by the people around them. God, I pray that you would remind all of us, no matter our station in life, no matter what we look like, where we've been, what we've done, or where we're going, that you love us and that you welcome us. We thank you for these things in Christ's name. Amen. I want
together.
start to get into all kinds of interesting questions when we consider a God who makes all things new. When we think about reaching out to folks who those around us in our comfort area would tell us not to reach out to. There's tension in all of this. And as we continue to look at the book of Acts, we'll see some of the tension that comes up. Questions like, how much is required for someone to be a follower of Jesus? How much disagreement can there be? Continue to walk with us as we figure this out. The tensions that you're feeling in all of this are the same tensions that the people of God have felt for generations. The book of Acts will help us manage these tensions and to walk through life well. As you go into this week, may you be a people who follow the Holy Spirit just as Peter did. Go to the people who he's called you to regardless of what anyone else around you might think. We love you guys. Have a great week. It's a playground over there. If you brought food, there's food. If you didn't, find somebody who brought food. We love you guys. We'll see you.